very latest on what we know on the condition of DeMar Hamlin is no different than what we knew last night. In doctor's care at University of Cincinnati Hospital, in critical condition, his family by his side in intensive care. The hospital indicating any and all communication will now be through the family, and the Hamlin family saying they are taking it minute by minute, hour by hour. What we do know, what we all know, is how we felt seeing it happen. A moment in sports and sports viewing that touched our very being. That being the case, Frank Isola, your reaction to it all? You know, Tony, like everyone else who was watching it in live time, it was hard not to be scared. You feel somewhat numb. I automatically thought back to March 9th, I'm sorry, March 4th of 1990, when Hank Gathers, a great college basketball player, was only 23, collapsed on a court. He played for Loyola Marymount during a conference semifinal game and ended up dying. And then two summers ago, on this very same network, Christian Eriksen playing for Denmark, we all saw a play out live. And it was very similar to the scene last night. His teammates sobbing on the field, creating a barrier in front of him as medical technicians are trying to revive him. And there was one other thing I thought about last night uh, for poor DeMar uh, Hamlin. In some ways, he was so fortunate that this happened in a place where an ambulance and medical technicians could get there to try to save him. So from that standpoint, as scary and as awful as the whole thing was, at least we know in that moment he was getting unbelievable care. Harry Lyles, Jr. Yeah, just shock, really. Um, we went into last night's game. This was supposed to be one of the biggest games of the regular season, right? A game between two great teams, and it looked like we were getting the game that we were promised. And then to just see this happen in front of us and to see the fear in players' eyes was just – that just takes you back. Um, because one of the things that does make these guys so spectacular is their ability to be able to do things better than everybody else, right? And to be able to be the most – in terms of just physical, you know, specimens and, and players that are spectacular human beings. And to see somebody have that sort of episode, it just, it stuns you. And I'm still stunned talking about it because I still honestly can't wrap my mind around that. Um, and just to watch the humanity play out in front of us. That was the one thing that I was sitting there hoping for last night was that humanity sort of took over. And it did when you see the players form a wall around him and the medical staff so he can have that privacy in that moment and to watch Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott sit there and say, hey, our guys aren't ready for this. Our guys are not in a state where they can go back out there on the football field. And so to see that take over when we so often forget that there are people inside those uniforms, right? We've heard of what a great person DeMar Hamlin is. And I stayed up so much later than I expected to last night because just like with all these other injuries that we see, <clears throat> You hope to get that notification on your phone that he's okay. Um, and we're still hoping for that and, and, and pulling for him. Courtney Cronin. Yeah, like Harry, I was up late waiting for the alert, just telling us that he was going to be okay. And the fact that that has not come yet is what's driving fear within me, within people I've talked to around the league. And I think as NFL fans and as people who consume the sport and cover the sport, we understand repeated head trauma and the risks that come with that. But sudden cardiac arrest on the field is something that nobody can be prepared for, especially when it comes to, you know, what we presume to be a healthy 24-year-old athlete. And I thought back Back to in some of the conversations I was having with NFL sources, that next man up mentality that is so prevalent. It's a systemic mindset in sports, but specifically in the NFL. I've covered so many training camp practices and injuries that happen in games where 
an injury happens, whether it's a broken bone, an ACL, or even a concussion like we saw with Tua Tagovailoa earlier this season, and those players are carted off the field and play resumes. This was so unprecedented yesterday where I don't know that anybody really knew how to handle it, and we were just all doing our our best, everybody from the broadcast crew trying to give up-to-the-minute information to the coaches, to the players, and getting everybody in the right place where they needed to be in that moment to process this, because let's call this what it is. That's trauma, to witness that happen to a teammate, whether he was on your team or whether you were a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not something that you can just shelve and put behind you, and I feel like that's a situation right now that we're in as we try to move forward forward from this and, and pick up the pieces going forward. Well said. And George Sedano. Tony, obviously, initially, you're terrified for the young man and everything that is transpiring um, in that situation. But then my second thought immediately went to his family because we now know that they were there. And I think that that, to me, was something that just hit home in a very big way. I think that's relatable to everyone who was watching. Even if you haven't had uh, something like that transpire immediately to someone you know, like in, in this situation is certainly unprecedented. We've all been in the situation where someone in our family or our close group of friends has been put in a life or death situation. And it also made me kind of think back about how on these shows, you know, we come on, we talk about football and we You know, we get very serious about it. Sometimes we joke about it. But it also reminds us at the brutality of the sport and also not to mention the bravery of these particular men to play a sport that is so brutal, understanding the consequences, never thinking that the consequences would be this. Mm -hmm. So it just really just shows how fragile all of this is in a way that is, was hard to comprehend in real time, and it took me a minute to kind of digest it all. And you're right there, because hearing from current players and former players, I thought on this network Ryan Clark was, was incredible last night, really talking about the depth of all this, right? Pushing it to a limit. The sport requires it. Should the sport require you to push it to the limit? Should next man up, above all, game above all, be the case? And what we saw play out in real time was... The game had to stop. The prayer circle on the field that you all alluded to, I think it's important to reflect on this again, what the players knew and felt at the moment. And we're not going to show the CPR and resuscitation, which happened on the field for nine minutes. But I think it's important we don't sanitize the words. Cardiac arrest. And it's important we don't avoid the next part of the story, talking about the brutality of the game and, and that Hamlin did not just collapse on the field. There was a collision. He and T. Higgins met at force on a seemingly normal tackle. So, saying all that, the NFL's response in the media to temporarily suspend the game, and then 43 minutes later to postpone, and Joe Buck on the broadcast reporting there was a five-minute delay with play expected to start, but the NFL now denying that. Troy Vincent, league office, saying that was never what they informed the teams. All this misinformation and Lack of protocol, for lack of a better word, Harry Lyles. How did you see it all play out? I think, understandably, a lot of people got frustrated that the game wasn't immediately called. Um, But obviously, this is something that we haven't seen before. And I think the most important thing here was that they didn't finish that game last night. And I know the way that we got there perhaps wasn't the most efficient way, um, but we did get there. Um, and to me, I think that's the most, the most important part of this. Cause again, I, 
I just, you, you see the emotion on those guys' faces and you see the faces of people that have seen something uh, that nobody should have to see. Um, and so the fact that we were able to get to a place where we probably did get the best result, right, which was to not play the game, uh, to me, that's the most important part of this. Right, Gasola? I, I think the NFL did it right here. Number one, the ambulance was out on the field right away. Also, you're just taking a beat. And you're, you know, you're talking to the union. The two coaches are talking. The referees are involved. And here's something else, too. The last thing you want to do in that moment is announce that the game is over. Now you have fans streaming out out of the stadium. It could potentially, from a logistical standpoint, be blocking the path of the ambulance. So I think there was nothing wrong with skipping a beat, letting the players go to the locker room. The way the players looked on the field, anyone with a brain and a heart knew that they were not playing that game. Come on now. Understood. But, but Frank, the decision didn't come for 43 minutes. Courtney, I, I say that because I know you were very vocal about this on social media in real time, but also as a reporter. What are you hearing, how it all developed, and the type of position the NFL was in last night? Yeah, I think it was smart for players to go to the locker room to collect themselves. But in that moment, we all knew that no amount of time, this isn't a rain delay, that you go to the locker room and then you come back out for a warm-up period. No amount of time was going to help them get past the trauma that they had just experienced to go play back in this game. you got to remember, football is a violent collision sport. And if you are not playing it at an intense level, if you are not on your fundamentals and techniques, I know I sound like coach speak right now, but that is of the utmost importance because... Because if you are not in the right mindset, if you're playing this game timid, you are at a high risk of injury. And I think that the smartest thing here, the empathy that came out from the coaches and from other players being like, we're just not ready to do it. But did you feel the empathy came out from the league or from protocol that is in play? I mean, I believe you have covered this sport before. I know, Frank, I believe you were covering uh, the Jets with Dennis Bird, or at least were aware of that when that happened on the field. The Lions with Mike Utley, Reggie Brown. Games resumed within 15 minutes in those cases. The league has played the next day after the tragic death of Sean Taylor in the next week. Courtney, do you believe the league is in the same place that all the players are? No, because I do know that while we have heard that this game, it's not going to be played this week, the other Week 18 games, we have no word on that yet. And, and the word I get around from people talking in the league is that the NFL is a reactive league and not a proactive league. How can you expect other players who were not at this game last night to want to go out and play in these Week 18 season finales? It just feels like the NFL is missing the mark here. We've seen precedent for this before. In 2001, after 9-11, they didn't play those Week 2 games because the players did not want to play. The league was trying to force that thing through, and it was the players' decision to not play. They have the bye week in between the NFC and AFC championships. Between that and the Super Bowl, they could utilize that. They can move the schedule back. No one should be playing in Week 18. Mm -hmm. George, I'll bring you in here. With the, with the news of the moment now this afternoon, as Courtney just alluded to, that the NFL has made a ruling they will not re play or, or pick up this game from, this, from last night, this week, and week 18 continues to go on as scheduled. George, the impossible position the league finds itself in, but the very real complex scenario. They're being criticized for a slow response last night. Now they're having to deal with a real complex situation here and the position they're in. Tony, I'm in agreement with Courtney. I don't think they should play week 18. I think they should let this... Um I think you should take a beat here and take some time and, and just move this back one week. I think the fact that they do have that bye week between the championship game and the Super Bowl allows them some time within the schedule to make this work. 
Uh, I understand there are other logistical things potentially involved with some of these other stadiums. Uh, maybe there are other events and things of that nature, but I'm pretty sure that they can work all that stuff out. Um, in regards, though, to the Bills and the Bengals specifically, there's no way they can replay this game. I, I, I don't think that emotionally anyone would be capable of doing that. Uh, I know I certainly wouldn't be able to. And one last thing in something in regards to the 43-minute delay. And while, look, there's been clearly some miscommunication here between Troy Vincent and, and what was described earlier today on ESPN uh, about restarting the game or not, uh, Frank did make an interesting point, which is something I, I learned as well this morning from talking to a player that is close in the league circles about telling people that the game would be postponed immediately because then you could potentially have a rush of people leaving the stadium because we've seen that. Every time you're leave, leaving a sporting event, it's not the same as when you arrive there. When you arrive there, people arrive in waves. Right. And when people leave, they leave in droves. I hadn't considered that. So I think That's... that could have caused a problem potentially – uh, even uh, an even larger problem potentially for the ambulance getting to uh, the hospital that is about two miles away. Frank Isola, last word. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any right answer, but I think uh, Courtney and George hit on it. You do have that, that week before the conference championship games where you could conceivably push everything back one week. We all remember moments that change everything. Whether this is a moment that changes the trajectory of the sport will be a soul-searching question for the league for some time. I would like to consider this as a moment that changes how we in our industry talk about this and maybe how fans view the game, the humanity on display in the reporting. I'd like to acknowledge Lisa Salters, Ryan Clark once again, and Scott Van Pelt, modeling for all how to think and feel in a way that is not just commendable but necessary for the job, not avoiding the uncomfortable, acknowledging what we know and what we don't know on how we can love the game, but it is not game above all. I'm grateful for the compassion and coverage. We'll be back in four minutes. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. It's never easy to move on from the conversation we just had, but we will, in buy or sell, still floating from the two greatest playoff games in history, how TCU and how Georgia advanced to the national championship game. 
It's a movie inside a 30 for 30 wrapped in a 12 episode prestige TV series. Fourth down, Philly specials, touchdowns overturned, textbook targeting calls just edited out of the game, and the injury to Marvin Harrison Jr. and how that affected Ohio State in Georgia's comeback, the ball drop kick. George, how it all went down, and legitimately, were these the two best playoff games we've seen? Tony, it's the best we've seen on the same day. The only thing that comes close is 2017 when we saw Georgia-Oklahoma in one semifinal, and then, of course, the subsequent championship game between Alabama and Georgia, but not on the same day. I mean, you couldn't write a movie script better than this, although I understand Michigan fans being upset about that reverse touchdown. I'm with them on that. They still had way too much time to come back from that to not for that to be a huge factor. They should have won that game. They had ch- their chances to win that game. TCU deserves it. Congratulations to Sonny Dykes and that crew. They are definitively one of the best teams in the country and will play for the Courtney championship. Cronin. Yeah, Michigan didn't lose that game on that targeting call. I understand that it was textbook targeting. I don't know why it wasn't called. Maybe we don't know what targeting actually is. They turned the ball over three times, though, including two pick sixes, and they had a lot of red zone struggles. So while I would like to look at those plays and say I wish the officials would have done something different there, I can't hate on it. TCU gets to avenge its 2014 season, the last time it was in the Peach Bowl. And and frankly, these were some great high-scoring games. The average margin of victory in the last Last eight years of semifinals games, 21.1 points. Yeah, yeah. Harry Lyles Jr. Uh, I think I'll just buy the fact that we probably got the best storyline national championship game possible, mm. right? When you look at TCU, you have a team that nobody expected to be there, right? I think a lot of people expected that to be a rebuild. They got a lot of pieces in the transfer portal. They're sort of a team that exemplifies what the modern college football game is today. Max Duggan is a player who wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season. He ended up being a Heisman candidate. And then on the other side, you have the Georgia Bulldogs who might be the new standard of college football. You've got Stetson Bennett. His story is incredible. And he was also a Heisman candidate, and he might win his second title in a row, no matter who wins. So you game, love this title game. Okay, story. some might argue Ohio State-Michigan would have as many storylines in its own sort of way. But how we got here, Frank, I got to go to you now. How we got here, how the games played out. The uh, two best teams advance? Uh, bravo to all four teams. I think the best two teams did advance. My guy, Coach Harbaugh, overthinks it. What are you going for on fourth down early in the game? Just kick the field goal for crying out loud. And what a way to end the new year and bring in the new year. The poor kicker on Ohio State. I wanted that kid to hit it right down the middle. That was tough. tough but yeah. you know what? TC, you get the underdog against I the hear defending you. champ. At Harry, the point blank. Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt. Does Ohio State win that game? I wouldn't go that far, but I would say he is probably the best player in college football. We'll move on. Huge night in the NBA last night. 71-11 for Donovan Mitchell. One of the greatest celebrations in sport when you have to put the number of the piece of paper a la Wilt. He did it with 71. Eighth highest scoring game in history thanks to part to the missed free throw putback. Also last night, Clay Thompson at 54. And LeBron at 43 and a beat at 42. What a night, Frank. What to buy. Well, Clay would have had 71 if, if Jordan Poole hadn't taken 31 shots. Yo! On this Whoa! 71. He scored or assisted on 99 points. Yeah. That's the most in the NBA since Will Chamberlain did it for crying out loud. My favorite stat. Pretty spectacular. That is my favorite stat. The second most in NBA history for Mitchell last night. Sedano, what's a buy? 
Tony, I'm going to be biased here and go with Clay Thompson. First of all, I've known Clay for a long time. I know his dad. I work with his oh, dad, Michael. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, of course. That's fine. I take the points away. But let me tell you why, Clay, because this is the real story. As great as Donovan Mitchell was, and Frank alluded to it, the historical aspect of it, Clay Thompson didn't play basketball for 941 days, Tony. His career was mostly written off, including, by the way, by my our pal Charles Barkley, who uh, kind of mentioned some stuff. All right, all right. Courtney Cronin, do you know anyone in Donovan Mitchell's family? Please, go ahead. <laughs> I don't, but congratulations to Donovan Mitchell in a 71-point game. He said this is the only time he's done it outside of playing NBA 2K. But the reason I'm buying this is because I am pretty upset with the Chicago Bulls right now. They gave up a 21-point lead. This game shouldn't have right. gone to overtime. Right. And there was very clearly a free got- lane violation out. on the free You're calling a violation there. Yo, Gary oh. Lyles. It's Clay Thompson. You come back from the ACL, you come back from the Achilles. These are the games that are vintage Clay. The fact that he could still do wow. that is incredible. I thought it would be unanimous for Donovan Mitchell. Again, 71-11, that's scoring or assisting on 99 points, the second most in the history of the sport. Cordy Cronin, Isola, showdown next. 940 days since George last one. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. And we're back. We open today with the severity and the gravity of a severe injury on a football field. And I want to know how you view Sunday, Kayvon Thibodeau sack or tackle, I should say, of Nick Foles and his injury, while Thibodeau, who didn't know he was injured, according to Thibodeau, snow angeled. And then when he got to the sidelines and maybe didn't know he was injured, continued to celebrate. Courtney Cronin. If it was three snow angels, that's one thing. The fact that it was double digits, he looks over at Nick Foles, he clearly knew something was wrong and he continued it. That is taunting. Thibodeau is a terrific player, but he knows this is a bad look. He's actually knocking into Nick Foles. When Nick Foles went down, who knew how serious that injury was? Especially on this day, now that we're looking back on what happened Sunday. Come on, it's awful all the way around. Bad moment for him. Courtney Cronin, 30 seconds. Damar Hamlin's GoFundMe page for his foundation, Chasing M's, it's up to $4.5 million. It was a toy drive that he had started prior to Christmas, only had a couple thousand dollars as of yesterday. So out of a very tragic situation that happened on Monday night, there is some good that we can celebrate. Thank you for raising awareness to that. And once again, something that all of our, I mean, there's so much fear and there's so much hope, but all of our energy 
in some ways went towards that. That was a positive outlet for that. We talked about the precedent in the NFL earlier in today's show. What have they done in the past and what will they do in the future? Something you said, Courtney, stuck with me in the last two commercial breaks. When the precedent in the past stinks, you have to change how you're operating. And we will look forward to the next week and the decisions the league makes where we start to put players ahead of games and players ahead of the league. We'll be back tomorrow. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network.